0: This episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected is brought to you by Bridgeside Medical Clinic, Chesapeake Integrated Behavioral Healthcare, and Edgar Casey's ARE. Now more than ever, we have an opportunity to be a positive force in the world, to help heal the divide, to treat each other and ourselves with respect. But with so many tools out there, from meditation to physical training, proper nutrition, therapy, and so many others, we all need a little help navigating all the options. Join us as we share in-depth information, insights, and thought-provoking discussions that will help answer your questions about how to stay calm, cool, and connected during these times. Welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected, your guidebook to peace of mind. Hello and welcome to Calm, Cool, and Connected. I'm your host, Dr. Elizabeth Bedrick. Social media is flooded these days with content about narcissism, codependency, trauma bonds, and all of these other aspects of what we would call a toxic relationship. All of this information can sometimes be really confusing and overwhelming and lead us to really second-guess ourselves, our partners, and our relationship as a whole. Joining us today is Dr. Taylor Burrows, a coach, consultant, and matchmaker. Dr. Taylor is here to help us to better understand the concept of a toxic relationship and some things we can do about that if we realize that potentially we find ourselves in one. Hi, Dr. Taylor. Welcome. Hi, Dr. Liz. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we jump in, tell us a little bit about you, the work that you do, your background. Help us to understand who you are.
1: Yes, I'm retired and people usually get a little confused because I'm not old enough to retire, but I retired in 2019. I was a licensed marriage and family therapist and a licensed mental health counselor. So I just wanted to start working online independently outside of healthcare. And so now I function as a coach, consultant, and matchmaker online.
0: Okay, got it. And so how did you get into relationships? So that's your, your licensure was in
1: marriage and family. Yes. My PhD was in marriage and family counseling with the specialty in trauma response. So I worked predominantly with people who were adults or children, survivors of sexual abuse. So Mm -hmm. I have a trauma background specifically in And that's kind of, I can't really do that work anymore, but obviously there's all this talk about trauma wounds, like you said, and people talking about boundaries. And so all of that education is so important for the general population. And that's what I'm trying to do is really normalize some of this language for them.
0: Yeah. And that's uh, the tie-in between unresolved trauma and those attachment wounds and the connection to toxic relationships. I mean, there's a direct correlation there. Tell us, how would you describe a toxic relationship? What are some key components of that?
1: Well, I really like, like I said, to normalize it. So for a general person, I would just say it's an unhealthy relationship. You know, that term toxicity is just really sensationalizing the whole process and making it a pathological situation where sometimes it's just being in the wrong relationship and being with someone who doesn't know how to control their emotions enough, like they don't know how to self-regulate. And that becomes a contagion factor onto you as well, even if you're a healthy person. So that type of relationship just really makes you worse off than if you were single. And that's when you really need to look at extricating yourself. And maybe it's better to be single and on your own and like waiting for the right partner.
0: Right. I love how you're you're normalizing that because you're so right. It is so sensationalized and it's become this, this big trend and this big buzz. And then we want to label everyone and we want to put everyone into a box of, you know, whatever, wherever they fall in for the toxic relationships. but. You're right. A lot of times it just boils down to either we weren't taught how to have healthy relationships or we weren't taught how to regulate our emotions. Often it's probably more of an and <laughs> or, or, but so yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. So tell them you created something called stress languages.
1: Well, right. the stress response theory goes way back to like the 1920s. I think it was Walter Cannon who was a physiologist, not a psychologist. And so he studied how animals respond under threat. So that has been around for a long time. And a lot of people know about the love languages, right? Like something that's really popular by Dr. Chapman. Well, in teaching people about the love languages, and I also talk about intimacy, I really wanted to emphasize, and I've been doing this for years, but recently tagged it, the stress languages, and made a little quiz so that people understand they can be in a relationship or in a situation, even if they're not in a relationship, Where under duress, they don't have to be in actual threat, but when they're emotionally overwhelmed, we have like the shadow side of us that comes out when we're under stress. And Mm -hmm. so those are the stress languages. And the fifth one is four like not so great stress languages that may may be ineffective. And then the functional one is what we're shooting for.
0: Can you describe what they and and maybe just give us a quick uh, description or what each of those languages are?
1: Sure. And they may sound familiar to most people. So it's the fight, uh, stress language, flight, freeze, and fawn, which is the most recent development in that stress response theory. But fight is obviously being aggressive, being controlling, kind of my way or the highway, a very inflexible stress language style. So when you are feeling under attack or maybe there's no threat really, but you're perceiving it, you get very defensive and wound up maybe more aggressive. It can then break the threshold of healthy responses and mm. more of like the abusive responses where you're throwing stuff, you're breaking things, you're yelling, you're being derogatory to your, to your partner. And so that's definitely a red flag. But there are people who just get more defensive and fight back. Sure. And then the other four, the other three really is the flight one, which is being emotionally unavailable and kind of running away from things, they're all a little bit of, of avoidance of right. dealing with that stress and conflict. And the, the freeze one is really withdrawing and becoming more numb and detached. And the fawning is caretaking to other people's needs. So it's not allowing yourself to take care of your own needs, but kind of fussing over other people. Mm-hmm. And, and the functional is when you can be more resilient and have more stress tolerance. Okay. And that is really interesting because we see that. I mean, you and I both do relationship
0: work. And so obviously we see a lot of that in the work that we do. I'm going back to what I said earlier that when we weren't taught appropriate coping or appropriate emotion regulation, and frequently this comes from we maybe didn't have somebody to co-regulate with. And so there wasn't an understanding around when I'm feeling scared or when I'm feeling stressed, somebody's going to come co-regulate with me. And so to your point, we develop one of those dysfunctional responses because we had to adapt.
1: Yeah. And typically we will display several of those, right? Depending on the context. So I had a lot of fun making this quiz and coming up with these questions to to validate the constructs, right? So if you have a few minutes, I think it takes like four or five minutes to do do take it, 10 quick questions, putting you in different stressful situations and seeing how you would react. But you have to be honest with yourself, right? A lot of people just pick the answer they think they should be answering. Right. But then you don't get like all the good information at the end where it tells you what are your strengths and what are your toxic traits and how to circumvent those and really shoot to be more functional with your stress response, your coping styles and be more functional.
0: And so, tell us with your with your clients, So you have somebody come in, they take this quiz, you find out what what they're dealing with. What is your approach, or what are a couple of the things that you maybe do with these clients to lead them towards the more functional response?
1: Well, I do a lot of general you know education about their body, like biofeedback, you know, looking at what their boundaries are, just the general 101 psychology stuff. But a lot of my work is centered around relationships. So it can be having more empathy and per- perspective taking with your partner. So yeah. if you see them acting in one of these ways, you're not taking it personally, which is such a huge insight for people that usually they think they did something wrong or they have to fix it. But when they realize, okay, this is something that, you know, my partner is experiencing. And I'm going to have empathy for them and also not personalize it, maybe support and suggest the things that they can do to help regulate themselves and work together. But obviously, you can't do it for them. So if that's happening, then sometimes you have to step away or at least get get some distance so that you can stay objective in that situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, those are great insights. And when doing that work as a couple, often what I do during early on in couple sessions is Helping each partner understand maybe each other's traumas or triggers or attachment wounds, right? Because it's a lot easier not to personalize it when you can recognize like, oh, okay, this is reminding her of her father and this is where the reaction is coming from versus
1: I did it. Absolutely. Attachment is such a huge, huge issue and people they kind of, they're familiar with the term, but they don't really understand what makes an insecure or secure attachment. Like, how do you do that? But really focusing on that secure attachment with yourself is so important. So when you are single and when you are alone, clarifying what those needs are and how to meet them is really all about creating those healthy boundaries that will help you have that secure attachment with somebody else in a relationship. Absolutely. Yes. Great point. So what would be maybe a takeaway that you'd want to give to
0: our viewers when it comes to healthy relationships? Like maybe what is, I know it's such a loaded question, but maybe what is like a first step somebody could take, whether they're
1: single or in a relationship, to work towards creating the basis of a healthy relationship? Oh gosh, yes. There is so much to talk about. I really talk about vetting and trying to prevent unhealthy relationships. So making sure that you're healthy first and then waiting until you find someone who is the right fit for you. So you're starting from a really healthy foundation. And my little takeaway is a quick little formula. Logic plus desire plus love equals an ideal relationship. Okay, that's good information. I love it. Where can our viewers find you? Social media or website? Yeah, they can find me on Twitter, on Instagram at Taylor Burroughs. There it is. And my website is drtaylorburroughs.com. Very cool. Thank
0: you so much for being here, Dr. Taylor. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, too. Have a good day.
0: You, too. And thank you all for tuning in to this episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected. Please make sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram. And also make sure to rate and subscribe to our podcast so that others can discover our content as well. Thank you again for joining us in this episode of Calm, Cool, and Connected.